Well, good morning. As Greg said, my name is Dave Triggs. I kind of uh, shudder at the build-up there of a guest speaker. <laughs> I'm just one of you. I'm, I'm a member here at the firehouse. I've been coming here for about the last year. But for those of you that don't know me, I put a picture of my family up there. I think a lot of you uh, know my family. The one here on the far left... Your far left, uh, Jeremy, he was just leading worship here in his family. And my wife, Diane, my daughter, Naomi, and her fiancé, Zach, they're getting married here on October 1st. So we're in the middle of wedding plans and stuff like that. And then my son, Josh, on the far right, he lives in El Paso with his wife, Dina, and their son, Jonah. Uh, they're with the church down there at the... Uh, the Rio in El Paso, Steve Nelson, and then my son Paul, which a lot of you have seen here. Uh, he's actually wearing the same sh- shirt today that he was in that picture. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so as Greg mentioned, I'm going to be uh, continuing on this series of Romans 7. Uh, um, originally, when Greg put out the schedule, I was scheduled for kind of the middle of Romans 8, but with some things changed. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Greg said, well, can you take over in this section? I said, yeah, I can do that. i can kind of been reading around that area anyway, so we'll see what God has for us this morning. I've been encouraged by what God's been teaching me through it. I know the, a lot of the speakers will say, whenever you speak on a topic, God will test you in what you're speaking on. Uh, just to, I think just to make sure that it gets ingrained in our hearts. And I know this is something that I've been uh, working on, and I titled it this morning, The Christian Struggle. And I think that's what this section of Romans 7, 14 through 25 is talking about. And... Uh, I'm in my early 60s, so I've been a Christian for over 40 years, so I've been struggling for a long time. <laughs> so I speak from experience, a lot of experience here this morning. So why don't we go ahead and uh, pray, and I'll give you some examples from my life, and this time we'll just talk through what God has for us. Oh, Father, we thank you, God, that your word is true, and that, God, that you have something for each one of us this morning. Lord, we just lift up your word. Lord, we pray, God, that you'd speak to us. Lord, that you show us, God, what you want us to, to grab onto from this morning. Lord, you just speak to our hearts. God, speak to my heart. Speak through me here this morning, Lord. Lord, this is your word. We just want to learn from you because you want to give us new things that maybe we haven't heard before, things that we want to be reminded of, Lord. And we just commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to read this section, Romans 7, 14 through 25. And I chose a, I read through lots of different versions, but this is from the New Living Translation here this morning. And so if you remember back, uh, Daryl a few weeks back was talking about the law and how it was good and those types of things. So... He starts in verse 14, he says, So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. 
But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably inevitably do what is wrong. I I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Wow. <laughs> Does that sound like your, your life? I know it sounds like my life. I want to do what is good, but I don't. <laughs> and I don't want to do what is wrong, but I still do it anyway. And that's kind of the, the Christian struggle. And I kind of had this, when I was reading through this and studying it and thinking about it and praying about it this last couple of weeks, um, kind of divide this up in three sections. This first section, we're going to talk about what the problem is. We've, we've got a problem. <laughs> the second section is, well, why? Why do we have this problem? And then the third section is, uh, what can we do about it? So let's start off. We've got a problem. <laughs> I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. I think this verse kind of sums up a lot of what Paul was trying to say here. I don't know, uh, there was one commentary I was reading, uh, the guy was saying, uh, it sounds like Paul was a golfer. (laughs) Because if you ever play golf, you try to do the right thing, but you don't do it. And you don't want to do what is wrong, but you do it anyway. I know Jeremy and I have been trying to go out golfing once a week. We go out uh, early in the morning, 6 a.m. on a Friday morning, do nine holes in, so we're done and get to work by 8. So we get out there. We were standing on the 18th tee a couple weeks ago, and there was a groundskeeper who was up manicuring the, the sand trap around the green. It was off kind of the right side of the green. And so the, we stood there for about 10 minutes. This guy didn't see us. So he's just taking his time, just manicuring the sand trap. So we were just watching him, staring at that sand trap. And, you know, the, the idea of golf is to get it on the green and uh, hit it in the hole. So guess what Jeremy and I both did? We put it right in that sand trap. Because we'd been staring at it for the last 10 minutes. So that's kind of one example. I'm going to throw out a couple others here. Floss. I don't know if you've heard of floss. It's that kind of stringy thing. You're supposed to put it in your mouth between your teeth. Uh, The dentists say it's, it's good for you. And... I'm not going to ask how many of you floss, but I know I struggle with flossing. How about diet? Now, diet, this is kind of one on both sides. I'm not just talking being on a diet, but it's just what we eat. 
In other the things that we, we know we should eat, like vegetables and things like that, but we don't really like to eat that as much. And there's things that we know we shouldn't eat, like sweets, but we kind of eat those anyway. And sometimes we eat too much of them. I know that I have a, I have a trouble with that. Uh, I have been known to uh, down a package of cookies in a day. So it just, you know, we just do things that we know is not right. And so how about another one, exercise? I've been to the doctor several times for my annual physical, and he says, you know, you probably should uh, exercise. You know, help with your cholesterol. It could help with your high blood pressure. Uh, so, but I struggle with exercise. I don't know about you. How about another one? Uh, this is one sports. Now, this isn't necessarily a struggle, but it's become a struggle for me when I watch sports. I have a tendency to not always agree with what's going on on, on TV. I don't know if you have that problem where you watch a Broncos game, the referee makes a, a, a questionable call. And you find yourself yelling at the TV. Now, you know that you shouldn't yell at the TV. Nobody can hear you except your wife, who leaves the room then. But, uh, but you know, or even at a, a Rockies game, even in baseball. I think one of the worst inventions is that little square that they put for the strike zone. Because now you can see what actually is a strike. And if the umpire doesn't call a strike... You're upset. And why couldn't he see that? I mean, there's the little box. So, so anyway, so I, I mean, there's just some example. I mean, think with family. Uh, you know, we can sometimes say things that we later regret. You know, I really didn't want to say that, but I did it anyway. Whether it be with your wife or at your kids. You know, we do things that we don't really want to do. And Paul is stating this out. He's saying that's, that's part of the Christian struggle. So why is that? You know, we've got this problem of all these things that we want to do, we know we shouldn't do. Oh, I have one example, too, before I get on to that. There's a good example here in First uh, Kings. Naaman was a commander in the king of Aram's army. And he was really uh, well thought of. He was a valiant man. He was a great soldier. But he had leprosy. And so he had struggled with this, this leprosy. And he had, in one of his campaign, had captured a young uh, Israeli girl, a Jewish girl, had brought her home, and she became a servant in his household and was serving his wife. And the girl said, you know, I wish my master would go to Israel and talk to the prophet there in Israel, and he'd get, he could get cleansed. The prophet could heal him. So through a series of events, Naaman sends a letter, the king of Aram, I think, even sends a letter to the king of Israel. And anyway, where this verse picks up is Naaman now, is with his army and some of his leaders, is standing outside the door of Elisha the prophet. And so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. So Elisha didn't even come out to Naaman. <laughs> Naaman just showed up. His servant came out and said, Yeah, just go dip yourself in the Jordan seven times and you'll be restored. 
But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have not done it? How much more then, when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. I just really like this section because I think it just kind of it speaks to me. Saying there's there's simple things that people tell us to do, <laughs> but we don't do them because we, oh, you know, if it was something great, if it was something bigger, then I would have done it. But something little. I mean, it just doesn't seem like that's going to make a difference. It's not really going to work. But here, Naaman okay, he humbled himself. Then said, "Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll do what Elisha said," and it worked. He was cleansed. So now let's get into why do we have this problem? Why are we struggling with not doing what we want to do and doing what we don't want to do? I like this verses here, I think in verses 22 and 23 of Romans 7, it says, I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. So a couple things from this, there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. We have to remember, we're in a war. <laughs> we're in a battle. And we've, we've talked about this at other times. I'm sure you've heard about just there being a spiritual battle around us. Forces of evil and good that we can't see. But even Paul is talking about how there's a, a battle within us. That when we become a Christian, we have this... Uh, something happens to us where we've got this... The Spirit of God comes in with it, within us. And we... It says he... He separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. He, he gives us a new heart of flesh. And we can have the heart to obey him. We love God's law with all our heart. God puts that in us when we get saved. But we still have a, uh, this, uh, this old nature within us. I think of one example that kind of helped me with this. Brad shared this a few weeks back. And he was talking about how he was playing some pickup sports. And he was on one team and they'd mix it up. And then they'd switch teams. And then they'd put on a different shirt. But he'd forget which team he was on. And he'd pass the ball to somebody that was on his team before. And I think that's like that with as Christians too. We were on the world's team. And we were, had developed habits for that world's team. And we were ingrained in that. And then all of a sudden, God, we realized that God paid the price for us through Jesus. And he bought us. And now we're, we accepted that payment. And now we're on his team. So now we're on this new team. But it's all new to us. And we still have these old habits. So we, that's why we kind of have this, this struggle. Because we have this old team that we still are, are used to. But we have to 
get an understanding of this new team. The other thing that Paul says here is that this, this sin nature is still in us. So even though we're on this new team, we're in this family of God, God doesn't remove the sin nature from us. The sin nature is still there. And you wonder, well, why does God do that? I think there's a couple of reasons for that and just thinking about it. But one is God doesn't create robots. You know, he could have just said, okay, I'm going to bring you on this new team. I'm just going to give you a new heart. You're just going to do good all the time. You're always going to do what's right. And he could have done that. But even as we see how God works, looking back, in, even in the Garden of Eden, he likes us to choose to love him, to choose to follow him. So he left that sin nature in us, and he still says, it's still there, but you have this new nature too. I like the kind of analogy here too, that... Um, You know, he, this, this original creation that he made, he says we're created in his image. In Psalm 139, it talks about how he knit us together in our mother's womb. He created us. So I think why he didn't take that old sin nature out, he didn't destroy it, because that's part of us. And we're created in his image. And he, he loves us so much that rather than just take that out and smash it and get rid of it, he wants to come alongside us and restore us. I think of a piece of of furniture. I don't know if any of you are into restoring old antiques or maybe even restoring cars or things like that. But there's something about that original piece of furniture, the creator that made that, had a special purpose in that. And he created it beautiful. But through time, uh, you know, for us, through sin, uh, many years and following the world, following even Satan, that, that, that original creation gets tarnished. It gets faded. It gets kind of scratched and roughed up. So what God wants to do, he comes in as a master craftsman, and he wants to sand down the rough edges He wants to kind of refinish it and bring out the original beauty that was there. I think of another example that uh, Greg has talked about a few times of the rock tumbler. If you think about that, the the rock tumbler, you know, takes this these old, just any shape of rock, rough rocks, dirty rocks, puts it in this tumbler, and it kind of bangs them up next to each other, and out come these rocks that are smooth and shiny and beautiful. And that's what God wants to do with us, too. He just doesn't destroy the old, but he takes that old, he wants to refinish it, restore it. You know, it says in Psalm 23 that he restores our soul. So that's what his goal is. He wants to take that original glory that he created in us and bring it back out, bring it up to the surface. Now this last section is where we're going to spend our most time is just what what can we do about it? You know, we've got this problem. We understand a little bit maybe why we have this problem. But what can we do about it? And there's a couple verses Paul kind of repeats himself in this section. Is in verse 17, it says, So I'm not the one doing wrong. 
It is sin living in me that does it. And then in verse 20 it says, But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Now this can be a little confusing when you think about it because it says that I'm not really the one that's doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. And as we just talked about it, I can see there's why Paul might be saying this, that yeah, we do have this sin nature that's still in us. And that sin nature is still capable of sin. And it will sin. And we've got this new creation God put in us, his spirit, and the spirit of God cannot sin. And that's why we have this war going on within us. We have the sin nature that wants to sin. We have this new nature that cannot sin. So that sin nature is still there. So I think that's why Paul is trying to make this delineation a little bit and saying that there's, we have this sin nature that still sins. And that's what's sinning. It's not the new nature that's sinning. And that's why as Christians, I think sometimes we can get confused by that and say, well, how can I, as a Christian, still sin? Because I've got the Spirit of God in me. And that's true. You do. But we still have that sin nature in us as well. One warning on this, though, that the sin nature is still there. Sometimes, and I've seen this happen, where we can say, well, it's, it's sin. It's my sin nature. It's just not really me. I'm a new creation. This is, this is the old self. That's, that's not me. The, the devil made me do it. You know, we can say, okay, yeah, you know, it's, it's not me. I had a, a friend of mine who had been caught in some sin. And that was the first thing he said to me when he was confronted. And he said, oh, that's, that's not me. I didn't do that. The sin nature did that. The devil made me do it. And he didn't take responsibility for his sin. And I was thinking about that. I was reminded of this verse in Galatians 6, 7 through 9, 7 7 and 8 actually. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to the Spirit... From the Spirit will reap eternal life. So we still have this choice now as a Christian. We can choose to sow to the flesh. And that's what my friend had been doing. He had been later admitted that he'd been involved in looking at pornography. And had been so that was kind of what was guiding him down those steps to sin. And so, you know, we can feed that flesh and make it easier to sin or we can feed the spirit and sow to the spirit and there reap eternal life the next verse there in verse 24 it says oh what a miserable man that I am I think sometimes we can stop right there (laughs) it's easy to get discouraged you know when I think about you know, the, the struggle that we go through, especially after you've been a Christian for 40 years, you would think by now I should have some of this down <laughs> and that I should be, 
you know, doing better in my Christian life. And in some ways I am, but in some ways I still struggle with some things that I've struggled with for years. And we've seen kind of why that is. We still have that sin nature, and I still have that choice. I can sow to my sin nature, or I can sow to my spirit, and I can get discouraged and just, oh man, what a miserable person I am. This is not changing. (laughs) I can just get discouraged there, and I can maybe have a pity party. (laughs) It's just, oh man, I'm just a terrible person. I don't know if any of you have felt like that, (laughs) but I have at times. But I like what Paul does here. This verse doesn't stop there. (laughs) So don't stop there. (laughs) You know, it says that what a miserable person I am, but he doesn't stop there. So don't give up. I like this verse in Galatians 6, 9. This is directly after those verses I just read back in Galatians 6, 7, and 8 about sowing to the flesh and sowing to the spirit. The very next verse says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. (laughs) Don't give up. (laughs) You know, you may feel miserable (laughs) and we have the struggle and it'll continue to go on until we see the Lord. (laughs) We still have that that's in nature. But don't give up. And we can read on to that next section. It says, Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And he's, he asked the question, Well, how am I going to get out of this? And I think there are, there are some things we can do. I think there are some things that you can do where you can turn to uh, ourselves even or turn to other people for help. There's lots of self-help programs out there. I know one of the, some of the things my wife and I have done with even struggling with diet or exercise, uh, we've been on, I think, almost every diet there is. I mean, we've done, I've, I've been on Weight Watchers. I've done South Beach Diet. We're actually starting a new diet tomorrow. So <laughs> there's some things we can do on our own. Uh, I think of a, another thing with exercise. You know, I've done different exercise programs too over the years. I, I want to be fit. I wanted, I wanted, my wife wants me to outlive her. So, uh, so it's just one of those things. We, we've tried different exercise things. Even a couple years ago, uh, Diane was on Facebook and she saw this uh, ad for uh, some personal trainers that cater to people our age. And they only work with a mature crowd as their uh, their audience. <laughs> so uh, we signed up for that. We started going to this personal trainer that would help us in our exercise. So we've been doing that now for about a year and a half. Do I exercise every day? No. <laughs> I still don't do it every day. It's still my choice to do it. But we have this help to do that, to help us be accountable. So there are some things we can do on our own and with help with others. But there's a warning with that too. I think sometimes we can get so tied up in what we're doing and what we have to get done, we can become legalistic. (laughs) And if you heard the the definition of legalistic, it says strict, liberal, or excessive conformity to the law, restricting free choice. (laughs) 
And I think we can become legalistic in that and saying, I just have to do this. And then I can get in the cycle where I get discouraged if I don't do it. Or maybe I am doing it, and then I start pushing others to do it too. (laughs) And I become overbearing with what I'm doing. And that's not our goal. (laughs) You know, even uh, Paul wrote to the Galatians, In chapter 3, it says, Are you so foolish, after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? So we were saved by grace. It's by grace, by God's grace, that we're still going to be able to to grow up unto him. And there's things we can do, but we've got to be careful that we aren't just relying on that to be pleasing to God. Paul doesn't stop there either. In the next verse, he says, Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. The answer is Jesus. Now we have all these other things that we can go through, that we can struggle with not doing what's right, or doing what's wrong, or wanting to do right, not doing it, that type of thing. And we know we've got this sin nature, we've got this battle going on. But we got this, the Spirit of Christ in us. And that's the answer. And I just wanted to kind of close with one section here, talk about some examples here. There's a, in Colossians 3, I think this is one of my favorite sections. It kind of goes through what this means, how this answer is Jesus. It says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So just like kind of Paul is writing in Galatians, how we can sow to the flesh or sow to the Spirit. Here he said, yeah, you can sow to the Spirit here. Set your mind on things above where Christ is. Not on these earthly things. Because as Christ was buried and died, died and buried, and then rose from that, we've been buried with him. And then we've, because of his saving grace, we're raised with him as well. And he goes on and says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, And filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. I like that part. We can we've taken off the take off the old self and put on the new self. Now there's a verse in uh, Isaiah 61 that says. it's a song that used to we we sang back when we were back in college. 
says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with the robe of righteousness. <laughs> He's put these new clothes on us. So we need to put those on. Says, Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Kind of sounds like those verses from Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. To put on the Spirit of Christ. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grief against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Now, a couple of thoughts on this. Now, I was talking earlier about how struggling with flossing. <laughs> you know, there's a, actually a few years back, I was listening to some uh, Faith Walkers talks from uh, the Midwest region. Uh, Mark Darling was talking, and uh, I don't actually remember what he was talking about, but uh, one of the examples he was sharing was about how, you know, he, he struggled with flossing. <laughs> and he had uh, gone to the dentist, and the dentist had told him that if you don't start flossing, all your teeth are going to fall out. I mean, he had a, a problem. <laughs> And so, I mean, he'd oh, man, I hate to floss. I'm not going to floss. So then he, God kind of spoke to him and said, you know, uh, uh, he thought, well, thoughts, well, maybe, maybe I'll just go ahead and just do it for six months before my des- next dentist appointment. And if it makes a difference, if, if the hygienist notices it, then I'll keep doing it. If she doesn't notice, then I'll notice it doesn't do any good. So I thought, well, I can do that. <laughs> I'll try that out too. So I thought, I'm going to try this out and see if the, if the hygienist notices whether I floss or not. I'm not going to tell her. Then I'll keep doing it. The well, funny thing is, she noticed. <laughs> Amazing thing. <laughs> One of those little things. So I've been, I've been flossing ever since. <laughs> I don't, do I do it every day? No. But I, I want to, and I try to. Uh, but, uh, you know, just a simple thing like that. So listening to others' teaching, following other people's examples. You know, another example was um, a couple years ago, Rich Thatcher was uh, doing a seminar at Faith Walkers at Grand Junction. And the title of his seminar was 40 Days Without Craft Beer. So, did anybody go to that? Okay, I was the only one. (laughs) But uh, 40 days without craft beer. And I don't drink craft beer, but uh, I went to the seminar, and I thought, I want to see what he has to say here. And um, his point was that, you know, 
all of us have things in our lives and we just want to get before the Lord and say, is there something that's keeping me from having an undivided devotion to the Lord? And uh, for him, he thought, well, you know, maybe it's craft beer. Maybe that's something I should give up for 40 days and focus on that and do other things instead. So I thought, yeah, the first thing that came to my mind, yeah, I can do that. For me, that's sports. So I, I have a kind of have a tendency to go overboard with sports sometimes. Uh, I have lots of apps that I've downloaded to my phone, so I can follow uh, different sports. I have the Broncos app. I have the Rockies app. I have an Iowa State app. I went to Iowa State University, so I can follow their sports program, and so I can I can read all these things about sports. So my mind can just be filled with that stuff. And then I, I listen to sports talk going back and forth to, uh, to work. And that can just kind of fill me up. <laughs> and so I thought, well, I'm going to try this for 40 days. So for 40 days, I did not listen to sports on the radio. I did not watch sports on TV. I did not read about sports. And it was hard. <laughs> but God gave grace to replace that with other things. I started listening to Christian music on the radio. I started listening to books on the radio while I was driving back and forth to, to work. I've always kind of wanted to read books. I'm not a very good reader. I have started many books and never finished them. But, uh, but then I even got, instead of, uh, I got a, a Kindle app on my phone. Since that's kind of my habit is to look at my phone and to, to read what's on there. So instead of reading sports, I started reading books. I read some biographies. I read some different uh, other books. I read The Case for Christ. I just started reading. The, I've read more books in the last year and a half than I have in my whole life. <laughs> just getting that habit started. Listening to books. So Because you can't always read while we're driving. But it made a difference. So, 40 days. And I actually, this past summer, I actually did it again. Because <laughs> I could see myself kind of getting back into that again. <laughs> and just, uh, it's just, that's a hard area for me. I love sports. <laughs> sports aren't bad, don't get me wrong. Sports aren't bad. But if they control you, then that can be bad. <laughs> so, a couple examples there. Another one, uh, you know, talking about being angry with our family or at calls on TV or whatever. Uh, God gave me a verse just that I need to remember this, and I'm working on remembering this even yet. But it's from James 1, verse 19 and 20. It just talks about how, um, oh, can I remember how it goes now? But the, the idea of it is, that the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. <laughs> and it says, be quick to speak, slow to anger. Uh, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. So as I wash my mind with that verse, then that can help me then remember, oh yeah, that's not, my getting anger here is not going to accomplish anything. <laughs> It's not going to accomplish a thing.
Let's finish up here. It says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I think that's just really key, just giving thank, thanks to God for every situation. Whether it be at work or at home, uh, in sports or whatever, God is in control. So let's just summarize here. <laughs> Life is a struggle. <laughs> We all feel that. We all know that. We all struggle with different things. We are in a battle. Remind yourself of that. We cannot do it alone. We need Christ. We need each other. I really like uh, how we really promote the gospel groups, the small groups here. I think that's one thing that we can do with each other, where we can get closer together with each other, share struggles, share needs. I know a couple weeks ago I, I shared a need I was going to be speaking this morning. So my gospel group's been praying for me the last two weeks. So I'm just encouraged by that. Help me <laughs> to know that, yeah, God is with me in this. I'm not alone. There's other people with me too. And that, this, that whole idea of putting off the old nature and putting on the new. You know, we have to replace that old nature, that sin nature that's still with us, with this new nature that we receive from God. He's given it to us, but we still have to uh, work at it. Don't be deceived. We will reap what we sow. I'm just going to close with a couple quick promises. It says in John 16:33, it says, "I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world." Yeah, God just wants us to have peace. Like, uh, just not that, having that anxiety to give that over to God in every situation, to have that peace. Because we will have trouble in this world. It's a guarantee. We have that sin nature with us. It's going to be with us until the day we see the Lord face to face. And then it'll all go away. But take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. And then this verse in 1 John 4, 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And I like that. You know, we have this battle going on within us. But the Spirit of Christ is greater. He's in us. When we become a Christian, he comes in. He's greater than that old nature. He's greater than the one that is in the world. So we can take heart in that. We can be encouraged by that. He will win. I've read the end of the book. (laughs) He wins. So, yeah, just to align ourselves with him in this battle. So hopefully I shared some things this morning that will encourage you in your walk with the Lord too. We're all in this together. It's not something that we have to do it alone. In fact, God doesn't want us to do it alone. Uh, He wants us to rely on him and to work with each other as well. So why don't we just close in prayer. Oh Lord, we do thank you God for your word this morning. Thank you God that your word is true. God, that we do have trouble. 
God, that we struggle with sin. Lord, that we have this old nature in us, but we have this new nature, this new creation from God as well. And God, just help us to allow you to work off the rough edges, to sand down those edges in us, God. Lord, that cause us grief, that cause you grief, Lord. Lord, that we just want to be restored, Lord, to the original glory, to bring you glory, Lord. Help us in this, Lord. Help us, God, to put to death that old self and to, to clothe ourselves with the things, God, of your spirit. To wash our minds with your word, Lord. Lord, thank you, God, that you are stronger than he is in the world. In Jesus' name, amen.